Praise the Lord. Thank you for coming to church tonight. I, I, I uh, had something on my heart to share, but the Lord started to, it's, it's what I'm going to share, but he started to veer me, Jenny, a little bit. Uh, he, started, he, he started talking to me about in this new season, I know we're talking about the exact things on Sunday, the outlying of the vision, but on the Wednesdays, he said, I want the Wednesdays to couple with the Sundays. Now, that doesn't always happen. In fact, usually our Wednesday nights have nothing to do with the Sunday, night, the Sunday mornings. But he said, in this season, I want the Wednesdays to stay in line with the Sundays because this is a very important season. This is an overlapping season. Amen? So I said, Lord, how do you want us to handle that? And so what, what do you want to express? And he dropped in my heart. He said, you know, with this new season, with this new defectual door, with all these things that I'm going to be revealing, and as you come into this new, this new uh, phase, this walk through this door in 2020, we know that there are many adversaries, right? The Bible says that. And so he asked me, he said, in your, you know, he said from your understanding of my word, if there's many adversaries, where does those adversaries attack the most? In your life, in our lives, where, do those, where does the adversary attack you the most? Not really in your spirit. He can attack your body, but he really is after your thoughts. Isn't he? Your thought life. He, the battle is the mind. So if we know there's tendencies to be attacks during a season of increase, which there are, do you understand? Yes. And I, I don't always like these glib statements like new level, new devil and stuff, but it's true. It happens to rhyme, but, but it's true. You go through a new door and there's many adversaries. You go to a new level, there's new devils, but that really means uh, through all the glib talk of that, what does that really mean? It means that our minds are going to be under more of an assault than maybe they normally are. A lot of people, they just hear the word attack from the devil. They don't really know what that means. They're waiting for a boogeyman to jump out of them when they go to the basement to check the furnace in the, in the freak, you know, the kooky place in their house where, where they're not sure if maybe there is a demon down there or not. They haven't decided yet. And as they go down and then the furnace starts to come on and they hear a creaking noise and they're waiting for that thing to jump out and they think that's an attack of the devil. You know what I'm saying? Or, or they're waiting for somebody at work to be mean to them or for something to go wrong. In their, and the devil will use those things as well. I'm not saying that he won't use those areas. He might try. But the number one area where he's going to try to attack you and assault you is in your thought life. It's not necessarily just through your boss, although if they're, if they're yielded to the devil, then yes, he could use that. He could try sickness. He could try different things. But the number one way he's trying to get you to hinder you from whatever that increased season is, is with your thoughts. I know it doesn't sound very spectacular, but that is really the truth. Do you understand? You're not with your boss all the time, but you're with your mind all the time. Do you understand? Your thought life is an, act, an absolute key. So obviously I know we're going to have to talk a little bit about this in the weeks to come. But he started off by giving me a scripture in the Old Testament. And he said, now I want you to read this. And I expected to just read one verse of this chapter to you. And as just a, a, pre, a preface or a preliminary into this subject of, of our thought life, guarding our, guarding our minds. Amen. And, uh, but as I started to read that one scripture, I heard the Holy Ghost say, keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going. And I ended up reading the whole chapter. And I realized, yes, we're going to get to the other stuff too. And I don't even know if we'll get to it tonight. Because there's something about this that is more than just a teaching. There's something, uh, the anointing was on it when I was reading. And I don't always understand what God exactly wants to say because I've got no notes written on it. But I just heard him say, just start reading this and don't just read the verse you were going to read. I want you to read the whole chapter because there's something the people need to hear. And I said, but Lord, I don't even know, really know what you want me to say. He said, that's okay. Just read it. Sometimes you just need to start declaring some things. So, and it's not a book that we really look at very often, to be honest with you. But turn to, with me to the book of Nehemiah. Nehemiah chapter 4. Now this is supernatural because this is not something I would normally read or study. But he spoke to me a scripture verse. Amen. And I didn't know, I knew it was in Nehemiah, but I didn't know where it was found. Why didn't God give me where it was found? Because he wants, doesn't want you to be lazy. Yeah. So he doesn't always tell you where it's found. So I had to look for it. And then I found it in chapter 4. And I'll tell you the verse when we get there, but I'd like you to read with me, please. And even if that's all we do tonight, I don't know. I just, I just, I can't quite understand it, but I just know he wants us to read this together. 
There's something about this that is very important. We might even eventually read it on a Sunday morning so that the whole congregation can hear it. But I just sense it in my spirit. There's something he wants to communicate through this chapter that is prophetic and that is, uh, it's like the Holy Ghost has put a, a highlight on it. He's put a flashlight on it. He's put a spotlight on it. And he said, son, you need to read this. It applies to your church. Amen. Not just to me, but to you. It applies to all of us. But when Sanballat, I'm reading from the Amplified Classic because the, the King James is good, but some of it is a little hard to understand. So the Amplified Classic is a little bit easier, okay? And when Sanballat heard that we were building the wall, he was angry and in a great rage, and he ridiculed the Jews. And he said before his brethren and the army of Samaria, what are these feeble Jews doing? Will they restore things at will and by themselves? Will they try to bribe their God with sacrifices? Will they finish up in a day? Will they revive the stones out of the heaps of rubbish, rubbish, seeing they are even burned? There was a mocking, Jenny. Yeah. Yeah. And I said, and I don't quite know fully what this means because I don't, we don't really see anybody in the natural right now mocking us. But we know that these enemies in, the, in what Nehemiah faced physically also can be represented as spiritual enemies in the New Testament. And I don't know quite fully, like I said, this is unusual for me to just start teaching something without having notes, without having points, without having an outline. I have an outline for the sermon, but this was one of 19 verses in the sermon. And now he says, just focus on this for a little while until I tell you to keep going. So I'm not really quite sure why, but I, I know there's something in, that we need to hear something about this story of Nehemiah. It applies to our church and it applies to the season that we're entering into. And it seems to me, if I can say it this way, and I'll, I'll talk by the gift of prophecy more by spontaneous utterance tonight, because sometimes when he tells me something that late notice, he knows I don't have time to study it. So then he wants me under the anointing to speak, just operate by that gift of prophecy and speak by spontaneous utterance and things will come out as I do that. So is that okay with you tonight? A little bit different maybe, maybe not as polished, but that's just the flow tonight. I try to come prepared and I do, believe me, I have a, uh, the whole message is prepared. I, I wasn't lazy. I spent time studying, but he seemed to switch the focus and say, I just want you to focus on this. This is not just a preliminary verse. There's something in here for the church. There's something prophetic in here for your season of life that you're in. So don't just overlook it by reading one verse. There's something here. But it seems to me that there is a, there's a mocking spirit that is on this man. And, and I don't know, Jenny, there's something that there's something as we enter into this new season that's trying to mock us. He says, who are these feeble Jews? They would restore things by themselves. Will they try to bribe God? Will they finish in a day? Will they revive the stones out of the heaps of rubbish, seeing they are even burned stones? In other words, they've got nothing to work with. They've got, no, they've got nothing at their disposal to really say, wow, look at all this equipment that we have. Yeah. Well, in light of what I'm going to see, I know things you don't know because we haven't got it out on Sunday yet. I've only done the introduction. But in light of some of the things that God has said, Jenny, I guess this would make sense. What really do we have? We don't have that much at our disposal. Do you understand? These people, these Jews, didn't have much at their disposal. They didn't have lots and lots of money. They didn't have all the equipment. They didn't have new, new stones. They had rubbish and they had burned stones within the rubbish. And sometimes when you're facing what God's asked you to accomplish and fulfill, you may feel like you don't really have much at your disposal to do it. As I, when I'm looking at what he's showing me for the future, I have no idea how on earth we're going to accomplish this because it doesn't seem like we, have the, we don't have the money and we don't have the numbers of people and we don't have all that stuff that we require. But let's just keep reading. Now, Tobiah, the Ammonite, was near him. He's also a bad guy. Okay, send Ballad and Tobiah aren't your friends. Now, Tobiah, they're goats, your sheep. Okay, now, Tobiah, the Ammonite, was near him and he said, what they build, if a fox climbs upon it, he will break down their stone wall. Mm -hmm. Now, foxes are known for being very light on their feet. Yeah. So if a fox can go on a wall and knock the stones down, he's basically saying, listen, whatever they do, it's going to be so flimsy and so pathetic that even a fox is going to knock it over. Yeah. Yeah. Do you understand? In other words, don't worry, Sanballat. Don't worry about their rubbish and about their burned stones. And, and don't worry, because when they try to do whatever it is they're going to do, it's not going to come to pass anyway. And, and, and sometimes those thoughts would try to come to you. I'm talking about the church prophetically as a whole, our church, but you could also apply this individually for you. 
Because if God's asked you to do something and you don't always feel you have the equipment or the money or the, or the stuff to do it with, and then you've got voices in your mind saying, you'll never do it. And anyone, if you do do it, you're going to fail when you do it. See, there's always a sand ballad and a Tobiah that's trying to work against us. Sometimes, many times it's a demon spirit that's speaking to our mind. Other times it's people that he's using to put thoughts of failure in your mind. That it's just not going to work. Anytime you embark on something new and something bigger than you and something that you, only God can really cause it to come to pass because you don't have the ability. There's always going to be a sand ballad and Tobiah that is right there to encourage you. Do you understand what I'm saying? The opposite of encouragement. And what did Nehemiah do to all of that? He prayed. Here. He didn't, he, didn't, he didn't rebuff them. He didn't get into a war of words with them. Here, O our God, for we are despised. Turn their taunts upon their own head and give them for a prey in the land of their captivity. Cover not their iniquity. In other words, don't forgive them. I mean, that's a pretty saucy prayer. And let not their sin be blotted out before you. I mean, that's bold. For they have vexed with alarm the builders and they have provoked you. Now, I want you to notice something. When people will stand against us, whether it's government, whether it's demons, whether it's antichrist spirits, whether it's homosexual, whatever it is, when people stand before us and we're building the house and the work of God, they are not only provoke God, they are provoking us and they're provoking God. And he's saying, they've provoked me, therefore they provoked you. Do something about it. You see that boldness there? They have vexed us, the builders, and they've provoked you. So we built the wall. And all of it was joined together to half its height. For the people had a heart and a mind to work. Oh my goodness. If you can only get a congregation with a heart and a mind that are willing to work. That are willing to give. That are willing to serve. That are willing to pray. That are willing to go out in the streets and tell somebody that Jesus loves them and pray for the sick and bring them in and evangelize. If we could only find a people that have a heart and mind to work would get more done. These people had a heart and mind to work. I believe God's going to put a heart and a mind in our congregation like never before to work. I really believe it. I believe it with all my heart. But when Sanbanit, Tobiah, and the Arabians, Ammonites, and Ashdodites heard that the walls of Jerusalem were going up and that the breaches were being closed, they were very angry. And they all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem to injure and to cause confusion and failure in it. Interesting. First, they started with verbal assaults. Then they continued with an actual plan of physical assault. But because of them, we made our prayer to our God and set a watch against them day and night. And the leaders of Judah said, the strength of the burden bearers is weakening and there is much rubbish. We are not able to work on the wall. And our enemy said, they will not know or see till we come in their midst and kill them and stop the work. You see what he was saying there in verse 10? He's saying, uh, day and night, we're, we're, we're standing, Lord. And he says, the strength of the burden bearers is weakening. In other words, they're people that can take certain burdens. Some people in the local church take more responsibility than other people. Some in the spirit and prayer, some in natural work with children, with cleaning, with different things. And, and there's, a, there's a burden. We all, we all have a different measure of being a burden bearer. But he's saying here, Nehemiah is saying, the burden bearers, are we, they're weakening. Their strength is going from them. Lord, we need your help. We're trying to do your work here. We need your help. Now, I know this is Old Testament, and we have to take this through the eyes of the New Testament because, you know, we know what to do when we're, when we're weak, don't we? we? We start to say that we're strong. We know what we do. We start to worship God and release our faith. So I, I know that this is Old Testament and then maybe not always doing everything that we would in the New Testament, but just look at the spirit of what is being said here. The strength of the burden bearers is weakening and there's much rubbish. So we're weak, Lord. There's a lot of stuff here that's hindering us and we're not able to walk. On top of that, our enemies are saying that they'll come in the middle of us and kill us and we won't even see them. They're going to come maybe hiding or at night or they're going to send spies or covert operatives. They're going to come in the middle of us, in the midst of us. We won't even know it or see it. And all of a sudden they'll kill us and they'll stop the work. I mean, this is serious. 
And when the Jews who lived near them came, they said unto us ten times, You must return to guard our little villages from all places where they dwell, for they will be upon us. So even the people are saying, you got to leave what you're doing. And you got to come and protect us. Because if they show up, they're going to kill us. So you see, everything is trying to stop. The people that are working are getting tired. They're making verbal threats. And now they're planning a physical assault. Now, they're, now people are saying, if they're going to come and kill us right in the middle. We don't even know that they're and they're going to die. People are starting to lose heart. And now the other people outside in the little villages, you better, you better stop what you're doing and come protect me because I don't want to die. You see, yes, we want to protect them, but at the same time, the wall needs to be built. You see, everything is trying to stop the wall being built. And so what did he do? Verse 13. So I set armed men behind the wall in places where it was the least protected. I thus, even thus, used the people as families with their swords, spears, and bows. I looked over them and rose up and said to the nobles and officials and to the other people, do not be afraid of the enemy. Earnestly remember the Lord and imprint him upon your minds, great and terrible, and take from him courage to fight for your brethren, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. Things are falling apart. And what does he say? This apply, could apply to you personally. This can also apply as a corporate body as well. What does he say? He set armed men. In other words, we could say, we arm ourselves with what we know. It's not a physical bow, like it says there. It's not a physical bow and sword and spear. What we arm ourselves with faith. We arm ourselves with the word of God. We set ourselves. When things are getting weak, you better, you better pick something up. Because if you don't, it will, it will take you out. And now he says, I look over and I rose up and I said to them, don't be afraid of the enemy. Oh my. It seems that no matter what you're doing, whether you're doing a business like you are doing, Rob, and there's things coming against, whether you're building a church and things come against, whether you're starting a new job, whether you're entering into a marriage and things, you're still learning how to, how to, how to work with each other. And there's attacks and there's attacks and there's attacks. Take up your weapon. Yeah. Yes, Amen. Don't lie down. They'll kill you. I look over them and I say to them, do not be afraid. You see, sometimes you've got to say over your own circumstance, your own bank book, your own, your own situation, your own marriage, your own business, your own church. Do not be afraid of the enemy. You've got to say it sometimes out of your mouth so that your ears hear you say it. Don't be afraid. What should you do? Earnestly remember the Lord and imprint him upon your mind. You why? Because when you're afraid, that's where the enemy is playing havoc in your mind. I love the way it says that. Imprint him on your mind. What is him? The word. Put the word in your thoughts. Put the word in your mouth. Put, remember what Pastor Nancy taught us on Tuesday night and Wednesday night. Everything comes back to Joshua 1.8. Especially when Joshua was going into a new land. And I mean, applies to us, applies to every believer, but it applies especially when you're going into something new. That's right the word in your mouth. Don't let it depart out of your mouth. Meditate. Put it in your heart. Meditate day and night and do it. Get the word. Put the word inside you. Imprint it upon your mind and take courage from the Lord. Which tells me, Reverend Dan, that when I get in the word, courage is the result. When I get in the word, because God of the author of the word is full of faith and power and courage. If I put the word in my heart and in my mind, courage will come into me. Take courage from him to fight for your brethren, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. And when our enemies heard that their plot was known to us, see the plots of the devil that he doesn't want known. Remember, he said, you won't even know. I'll come in the midst of you and kill you. Right. Oh, I see. Thank you, Holy Ghost. See, that's kind of, that's why it's a different flow tonight. Amen. There's going to be plots that are going to be revealed, Jenny. Plots of the enemy to try to come in the midst of us. Lorraine, plots of the enemy trying to come in the midst of us to hurt us. He's going to make it known to us. He's going to make it known. We're going to know that Sanballat and Tobiah try to try to play some games and try to do some plots where we don't even know what's happening. And he's going to try to come and sneak in the midst and slay us. But oh, no, the Holy Ghost won't let him come in the midst of us because he will let us know beforehand. 
And when our enemies heard that their plot was known to us, how? By the Holy Ghost. And that God had frustrated their purpose. And we all returned to the wall, every one to his work. And from that time forth, half of my servants worked at the task, and the other half held the spears, shields, bows, and coats of mail. And the leaders stood behind all the house of Judah. Some are working, and some are fighting. Wow. Prepared to fight. Do you understand? Yeah. Are you listening to me? Yeah. If we're going to come into the season, it's not just a matter of doing ministry of helps. Yeah. There's got to be people that pick up the weapons and stand. Yeah. This speaks of prayer. Yeah. This speaks of standing over, you know, people say, I pray for the church. But do any of you stand in your living room and say, Lord, I'm going to take 10 minutes and speak over this church. Yeah. I'm going to take your word and I'm going to start prophesying it over this church. Father, you said 318. I call you on that. I call that to pass in Jesus' name. I command that to come. Lord, I begin to call. I begin to, and a lot of people spend time praying, but do you spend time actually saying and prophesying and calling and declaring and commanding these things to come to pass? Because that's part of taking up your weapon. In other words, we all need people to give money. We all need people to serve, but we also need people to take up the shield and the bow. We need people to stand on a wall and say, you will not. I stand against you with my words and with my spirit and with my faith. I will pray. I will stand. I will withstand this attack. Because I think a lot of people, they just say the prayer team will deal with that. Some elite group that they're not an elite group. We're all, he says, some of you work, but some of you get ready to fight. I'm telling you, I don't quite know. I'm, I'm a little uncomfortable, Jenny. This is out of my comfort zone to talk about a message where I have absolutely no idea what I'm talking about in terms of a predetermined end. But I heard him say, there are things in here that I want to reveal to you. It is for the season you are about to enter. And so as I'm going, I hear little things by the Holy Ghost bubble up. One of them was the things that are secret are going to try to come in the midst of us to slay us, but he will frustrate them and he will reveal it. Another thing I hear him say is tell the people, it's not just about the work, it's about, the, it's about standing guard. Do you understand? A lot of people serve in ministry of helps, but they don't pray for the church. They'll clean 17 toilets with a smile on their face, but they won't pray over the church. They won't say, say, say Lord, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get in the Holy Ghost now and I'm going to pray out the mystery regarding this thing in this church. And I'm going to stand in my living room and I'm going to declare some things and I'm going to decree a thing and it shall be established according to my word. I'm in agreement with my pastor and I'm going to deal with some stuff. It's not just about ushering. It's not just about putting the sound system together. It's about picking up weapons. It's about getting aggressive and saying, you will not hurt this sheepfold. You will not overcome us. You will not withstand us. I'm here to stop you. Instead of always saying, well, it's pastor's job, it's pastor's job, it's Lorraine's job, it's the staff's job, it's the prayer team's job. It's your job. Do you see that? I'm not mad, I'm just passionate. And those who built the wall and those who bore burdens, loaded, verse 17, loaded themselves so that everyone worked with one hand and held a weapon with the other hand. <laughs> Do you see that? Look at verse 16 again. From that time forth, half of my servants worked at the task. And the other half held the spears, shields, bows, coats of mail. And the leaders stood behind all the house of Israel. He's saying half the people are working and half the people are holding weapons. But look at verse 17. Those that built the wall. Now who's he referring to? The ones that are working at the task. Yes. The 50% that are assigned to the task. Not the ones holding the weapons watching for the attack to come. But the ones that are actually working the task, yeah. we're talking about those now in verse 17, that 50% of the, of the population, what does it say about those? And those who built the wall and those who bore the burdens loaded themselves, you could say armed themselves, so that everyone worked with one hand and held a weapon with the other hand. Even the ones that are working are holding weapons. Yes. So there are people that are half of the group all they're doing is a watchman in the spirit. And then the other half that are doing some of the natural things, even with one of their hands, they are watching, ready to fight. 
And every builder had his sword girded by his side and so worked. <laughs> He's working with his hands, Jenny, but the sword is on his side. He's ready to pull it out at a moment's notice. Yeah, he is. And he who sounded the trumpet was at my side. Why? Because the leader has to make announcements. The leader needs to get people's attention. The leader can't be, where's that guy? I need to make an announcement. Where is he? I don't know. He's out doing something. No, he's got to stay real close. Because when I need an announcement made, he's going he's to blow that trumpet and he's going to let everybody know an announcement is coming. You need to pay attention. Or a certain, to a certain sound or, or tone would indicate war. Everybody run. They're, they're coming. Do you understand? Another tone may indicate it's lunchtime. Everybody wants that tone. Another, another time may indicate, you know, Children need help. I mean, they had different tones and sounds of the trumpet. But in other words, the leader was there because he couldn't have a voice to hear. And nobody, everybody could hear him, but people could hear trumpet blasts. Yes. In other words, those, the, the leader needed the ability to be able to get the ears of the people. Yes. That's what I'm trying to say. It was important that people heard what the leader said, which is why the guy holding the trumpet was right beside him. And it's important that you hear what the leader is saying, which is why you've got to be right beside me. Amen. It's why you've got to come to church. It's why you've got to be faithful. Because when the Spirit, Holy Ghost won't talk to you about everything, he'll talk to me because he's assigned me. But when I say it, when I, when I, when I trumpet it, you've got to hear it. You've got to stay close. You see that? Verse 19, and I said to the nobles and officials and the rest of the people, oh, I love this phrase. And this is, this is a phrase, that, the verse really that God, that I was going to start with was this one here uh, in verse 18. That's the one I was going to read about the fact that they were working and they were also, they were also on guard. Because the Lord said, you come into this new place, there's many adversaries. So you're coming in, you're, you're accomplishing some stuff, but you better be on guard, boy. There's things, that are, there's things that are going to try. There's things that are going to try. So while you're going into this new room, keep a sharp eye. Be alert. Be vigilant. The devil's walking around looking whom he may devour. Be alert. Don't, don't, be, don't just be on a spiritual vacation. Put your hand to the work with Pastor Craig and what he needs you to do, but hold a weapon at the same time and pay attention because the enemy is out there. When you go through a new season, the enemy is there. Now that was the verse. I was just going to say that as a quick intro and then move on. But he just wants us to keep going. So he says there now, I love this phrase, Jenny. And I said to the nobles and officials and to the rest of the people, the work is great. <laughs> I feel like God is saying that to me. Son, the work is great. Oh, you don't even know what you're half the time, what you're doing. You don't know the plans and the purposes I have. They're greater than you. They're greater than you can imagine. And I'm doing it that way so that you can't do it on your own so that you can't take credit for it. But the work is great. But notice here, and scattered. And we are separated on the wall, one far from the other. In whatever place you hear the sound of the trumpet, rally to us there. Our God will fight for us. So we labored at the work, while half of them held the spears from dawn until the stars came out. And at that time also I said to the people, let everyone with his servant lodge within Jerusalem that at night they may be on guard to us and a laborer during the day. In other words, stay close. You see that? Yeah. Stay close. Lodge close. Stay close. Listen to the trumpet. When you hear it, act quickly. There are enemies, there are adversaries that are on the, they're on the horizon. They're watching for an open door. They're watching for an, op an opportune time to strike. Stay close to me. Listen, listen to the trumpet. Yeah. Yeah. It can save your life. Amen. Lodge yourself within Jerusalem. Don't get out separated. Don't get out isolated. Stay close. There's a safety with closeness. Do you see that? Yes. There's a safety with closeness. And verse 23, so none of us, I, my kinsmen, my servants, nor the men of the guard who followed me took off our clothes. Each kept his weapon in his hand for days. Now, in the King James, it says, took off our clothes except to wash them. In other words, there was such a focus. The only time they'd take off their clothes was to wash them and put a new set on. They weren't relaxing. They weren't having fun. They weren't doing shopping. They weren't doing extracurricular activities. I'm not saying that we can't do those things. I'm just saying, I'm just, I'm just sharing what this man went through. 
there was an intensity, Jenny. We didn't even take our clothes off except to wash them. Why? We have an assignment. God has assigned us something. We are to build the wall. Yes, there are adversaries. Yes, they're trying to frustrate our purpose. Yes, they're enraged because we're continuing. Yes, they threaten to come in our midst when we don't even know that they're there and they're going to kill us. But our God is with us. Don't be afraid of the enemy. Imprint the word upon your mind. Take up your sword. Take up your weapons. Don't be afraid. Stand your guard. There's a sense here. I don't know quite how to put it in English. But there's, a, there's like a sense of destiny on this, cha- on this work. This wall's been broken down. This thing has been a failure for a long time. And God finds a people and he says, I want you to do it. And of course, it'd be easy if there was no obstacles, but there is a great obstacle against them and people want to kill them. And they're afraid and their strength is waning. But he says, don't be afraid. Get the word in you. Get the word in you and take up your weapons. And he says, now listen, we're going to work, but half of you are going to watch. Because you don't know when those scoundrels are going to come over that hill. Are you listening? So I'm telling you by the spirit, there is a, a call through this scripture, not just to be in ministry of helps. God is calling us through this revelatory moment to say it's not just enough to serve at Promise of Life anymore. Some have to have an absolute focus on prayer and on watching in the Spirit. Do you understand? That That becomes ministry of helps. And others that are actually doing the work, so to speak, that are doing the children, that are doing the different departments, that are doing the the building of the walls, so to speak. You know, they're working with their hands. They're not just watching, which speaks of spiritual things. They're actually doing physical things because we need people to help. But even the ones that are helping, they're holding a sword in their hand. It's girded upon their waist. While they're working, they're aware. It speaks of an awareness of spiritual things such as never been seen before. Every single person building the wall, whether they were on watch or whether they were putting the mortar and the bricks, they all had a weapon. They all were cognizant. They all knew I may be called upon. In other words, if you envision the weapon as this ministry, this assignment of watching in the spirit and praying, everybody had something on them to pray. I'm taking the spiritual, this is a symbol and this this is a type and a shadow and we've got the reality of that type, the substance of that shadow. Do you understand? You're not holding a spear. And you're not building a physical wall, but we are building this local church. And it takes work. Part of the work is showing up on on a service. That's work. Part of the work is doing your ministry of helps. That's work. Part of the work is giving your tithes. That takes sacrifice. That's work. Part of the thing is evangelizing. There's, There's things that we have to do here in the natural realm with our hands, with our talents, with our abilities. And we must not stop that because if we stop that, the, the structure, this, this organization won't grow. Do you understand? But what, I'm, what I think the Holy Ghost is trying to get over to us is that your focus has been so for so long on just build the wall, do your part, do your little thing, do your ministry of helps. But in this situation, that's not the only responsibility they had. Everybody, even that was doing these things, had to be cognizant of warfare. They were, it was girded or it was being held. One verse says it was on their, on their, on their side. The other says they're holding it with one hand and they're holding it with the other. In other words, it speaks of a constant awareness of war. Now, what does that mean for us? Because we're not in a physical war. There's a constant awareness of watching in the spirit. There's a constant awareness of prayer. Yes. There's a constant awareness of standing in the realm of the spirit to fight for this. I hope you're listening because I'm telling you this is unrehearsed. Maybe it's best that it's unrehearsed. I don't know. But there needs to be a greater awareness in every single person that calls themselves a member of this church. I'm not just here to work. I'm not just here to serve Miss Lorraine. I'm here to watch. I'm here to fight in the realm of the spirit. I'm here to speak over this work. I'm here to pray. I'm here to birth. I'm here to declare things in the realm of the spirit. See, all that prayer, spiritual stuff is the sword. And all what you do physically in this building is the wall. 
And you need to do the wall, but you also need to do the other. And he thought it was so important. Half the people were not even working on the wall. They were watching. That shows me, Lorraine, that there must be an increase of prayer. There must be an increase of people that say, I'm watching, Pastor. But yet with a pure heart, not to make the excuse because they're lazy and they don't want to work. Because you got to guard your heart. Otherwise, you, well, I'll just, I'll, just, I'll just pray. But really, you just don't want to do your ministry of helps. That, that's not what we're talking about. I'm talking about there was an increase of people to watch. And there has to be. And where we're going, there has to be an increase of people to watch. Watch in the spirit. What does Paul say? Watch and pray. When he talked about watching, he always connected it with things of the spirit, things of prayer. That means, Jenny, there has to be an increase of people in our congregation that are going to pray. And even the ones that maybe don't have that as their primary assignment, and there's maybe a little bit more focused on the natural side of things, even them, everybody has to have an understanding and awareness and alertness of warfare, of the things of the Spirit, ready to take that sword. This is important. As we go into where we're going, we have to have a greater awareness of watching and of fighting. I don't mean fighting the devil, spiritual warfare, all that. I'm not talking about that. If you know me better, than, if you know me enough, you know I'm not talking about nonsense, weird, kooky things. I'm talking about standing on guard in the spirit, declaring things, binding the devil when it needs to be bound. I'm not talking about weird warfare stuff. But I'm saying the sword and the warfare is representative of spiritual things. Dealing with things in the realm of the spirit. Dealing with attacks, dealing with things going on that the devil wants to try to abort. So there has to be an increase of that. We also see, Jenny, in this scripture, that not only was there increase of war and an awareness and alertness, but he says to them, stay close. Yeah. Yeah, it does. Do you see that, what I just read? Yeah. Yes, sir. He says, yes, hold your weapon, be aware, be alert. Deal with things in a warfare mentality, not just a building mentality. I think for too long, people in the church have just had a building mentality, but they don't have a warfare mentality. We've got a step. It's not, we don't stop what we're doing, but we have to become more spiritual. We must understand to take our place and occupy a place in the spirit, not just do your little ministry of helps. Thank God for it and don't stop doing it, but occupy a place in the spirit. Deal with things in the spirit. Help me deal with things things in the spirit realm, not just do your service in the natural and think you're shooting the moon. Because sometimes when we come into a new thing and God is building something new, we need more people aware of their sword. And we need those same people to stay close. Don't lodge out there. Pin your family behind the wall. Stay close to me. Trumpeters, stay close. Congregation, listen. Listen to what the Lord is saying. When you hear the trumpet, gather there because we're, because we're separated. The wall is large, but when you hear the trumpet, gather together in pods and the Lord will fight for us. In other words, stay close and open your ears. Stay close and open your ears. Stay close and open your ears. The devil's trying to fight that. He doesn't want people to stay close. He wants them to get offended. He wants them to leave. Listen to what the spirit, forget Craig Field. Listen to what the Spirit says. He is saying, stay close. Was Nehemiah perfect? Far from it. But was he the assigned one? Yes. Am I perfect? Far from it. Am I the delegated one for this work? Yes. Now stay close. Bring your families close. What does that mean? In your heart, stay close with me. In your words, stay close with me. In the services, show up. And stay close and listen. Listen to what God is saying. You can stay close. You can be here physically present, but not, have, not be listening to what I'm preaching. You can be close and not hear the Spirit of God is saying there needs to be an increase of spiritual awareness, of watchfulness, of warfare. There needs to be an awareness, a greater awareness of prayer. I can be preaching and sounding a trumpet, but you can be physically in the service. You've been close, but you don't hear. You hear what he said? Stay close and listen. <laughs> One, a greater spiritual awareness. <laughs> Hold your sword. Don't be afraid. Get your mind. Keep your mind. Imprint him on your mind. Keep your thoughts right. Keep your thoughts right. 
Be aware of spiritual things and the need for you to stand up and fight spiritually more. Not just doing your natural. Watch your mind. Don't be afraid. The enemy's coming at your mind. Don't be afraid. Imprint him. Have courage. Stay close. Stay close. Number three. Number four. Listen. Open your ears and listen. Stop, Stop stumbling upon the humanity of the pastor. Or the imperfections of the pastor. And listen to what God is saying. It's so important. I feel the anointing on me to say it. Because some of you need to hear it. What is number five? Stay focused. We are so focused. We don't even take our clothes off. Except to wash them. We are on an assignment. This is not fun and games. There is a season to be focused. I'm not saying the season is forever. Who can stay focused forever? Well, we can if we've got the Holy Ghost, but people in their carnal mind go, well, how long is that going to be? Because I'm looking forward to the day when I don't have to be focused. When I can just come to church and relax for the rest of the week. I'm not sure those days will ever be back. I just know what he's saying through this. Stay focused. You see what he means, Reverend Dad? I'm so focused on this assignment. I don't even have time. I don't have time for anything but washing my clothes. All my thought process is, is build the wall and hold the sword. Build the wall and hold the sword. That's all I think about. That's all I'm doing. That's all my focus is. There's going to have to be, you got to check your own heart. But as we step into 2020, there's going to have to be an increase of focus. There has to be. Maybe you say, what's the big deal? I don't understand why you're making such a big deal about all this. Well, as things more come out, the next few Sundays, you're going to understand why Hebron is so important. Yes. Why Hebron is a staging ground for Jerusalem. Yes. Why Jerusalem is so important. How long Hebron is. Seems like a long time, but it's really not that long in light of what God is saying. I'm staking my character on this. I'm staking my integrity. I'm staking the fact that people can hold this against me. It's easier not to preach. These kinds, the stuff that I'm going to share on Sunday. Because if you talk about it, and you're wrong, (laughs) you've lost all credibility. But I'm staking everything on this because I believe that God came into my room at 2 a.m. on that cruise. And he began to show me things. Just like I know on January the 17th, 2017, he came in our living room. The Holy Ghost, I know when he comes. But it's so far beyond my understanding and my ability. I almost feel like, Lord, I don't want to talk about it because what if it doesn't happen? Now you say, well, that's not faith, Pastor. Yeah, thank you for all your teaching on me how to confess. I'm very aware that that's not faith. But sometimes you don't feel like it's possible. And then you look out and you don't see. (laughs) I don't see what that pastor in Ghana sees with 200,000 people. I don't see that. I don't see the, the, what the other guys, they talk about how millions of dollars. I don't see that. I, I just see some. Some people and some money, and, th- and that's it. Some vision. I just see a little bit. And now he's talking about grand things. It's better not to talk about it. Because, what, my God, what if I missed it? What if it doesn't come to pass? But I'm staking everything on this. Because I believe it's going to come to pass. Amen. Somebody has to believe it. That's right. It might as well be me. If I missed it and you get to heaven and nothing I said happens, then just request a transfer for your mansion to be on the other side and you don't have to see me. You don't have to see me for a long time. It's going to be a long time we're there. You can just ignore me for the first 900 trillion years. And then maybe when we cross paths one day, you'll say, oh, Pastor Craig, I've forgiven you. Took me 900 trillion years. But I don't believe, I don't believe that's going to happen. I believe it's going to happen exactly as God told us it's going to happen. I believe that he loves the city, even though they're in a dark place. And I believe like what Pastor Nancy says, there's, if we don't have miracles, if we don't have some supernatural butt-kicking miracles, I don't know how else to say it. We're going to, it's going to have to take something dramatic. It's going, to take, it's going to have to take something very dramatic in a place like this. Because they are so lulled into their deception. They are so rutted in their deceit. They are so grievously tormented by demons and religions and all the world's religions and all the devils are all around the world are in the city because every religion is here because we're a melting pot. And our prime minister says Christians are the most despicable part of Canadian society and he's demon possessed. 
And everything seems to be working against us. But God said, I'm going to move. I'm going to move and I'm going to pick people that are in secret and in hiding and that nobody thinks. Remember what Pastor Nancy says? God does not prepare his man on the public stage. God prepares his people privately. And then at the last second, when you don't think, you say, how is all this? All of a sudden, all the people that he's prepared, they're going to come. And it's not just me. There's many. There's many like me. There's many churches like this. At the right time, they're going to come. And we're going to have a move of God. And it's going to, it's going to come before, the, before Jesus returns. There'll be a great move of God after Jesus returns. But I don't give a rip about that one because I ain't here. I want to be here for one. I want to see what Dr. Dufresne talked about. I don't just want to hear stories anymore. I'm sick and tired of the stories. I want to see it. And so there's things that are coming and there's steps we must take to get there. But when the Holy Ghost said to me this, like just before the service, don't just talk on verse 18. Read the whole chapter. There's some things in there I want. Lord, will I let me study it first before I do that? No, you just do it. You just do it right now. Well, there's probably more, but in just terms of my simple memory right now, I can think of five. Be aware of spiritual things, not just your ministry of helps. Don't just be aware of your trowel. Be aware of your sword and hold it. Do you understand? Everybody do your job. Don't quit on Mr. Rain. That's not what I'm saying. But some of you need to adopt an attitude. Pastor, I'll do my ministry of helps, but I feel like I'm one of the ones that's just holding the sword. I mean, I I am here to watch. I am here to wait on God. I'm here to seek God. I'm here to bind the devil. I'm here to watch. A watchman protects the city. A watchman stands on a wall and says, you're not going to come in on my watch. If we don't have watchmen, Reverend Taylor, things get in. Things, the Tobiah, the Sambalots and Tobias are going to come in the midst of us. We don't even know they're there. And they're going to try to say, but we have watchmen. Do you understand? The devil wants to try sneaky things, but if we've got people watching in prayer, he can't get in. There must be an increase of understanding of the watchmen. Don't just look at your trowel. Hold a sword with me. Pray. Praise God. Don't be afraid because he's coming after your thoughts. Imprint him on your mind and take courage. We can do this. Praise God. Stay close because he will fight you tooth, nail, and claw to separate. And he will show you all the imperfections of the leadership. And there are many, especially with the staff, they're rotten to the core. <laughs> but the staff reflects the leader. So maybe that means I'm rotten to the core. I don't know. But he will show you all the failures. You understand? He'll try to turn people against me, turn people against you. People will mock you. People make fun of you. I'm telling you, stay close. Not because I'm perfect. Follow me as I follow Christ. If I'm not in the word, then you don't have to stay close. But as long as you see that I'm doing my best, I'm not perfect. You're not perfect. I never quit on you when you were perfect, when you did something wrong. Don't quit on me if I do something wrong. And I'm not planning on doing anything wrong. Don't get me, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) I'm not planning on doing anything wrong. I'm just saying, stay close. Listen. Listen. Listen with your spirit ears, not just your physical ears. Open your heart in the services and listen because we are separated. The wall and the work is great. You got your problems. And I got my problems. And sometimes we feel like we're so far apart, Taylor, because I don't get to talk to every individual congregation member every week. And they're all going through things, and they're on this side of the wall, and I'm on that side of the wall, and some of them haven't had a meeting with me in a long time, and they feel far. But listen when you're close. Listen to the sound of the trumpet. Listen to what God is proclaiming. Listen carefully because he says when the enemy comes, listen and gather together and God will fight for us. And stay focused, number five. So focused that your attitude is, now please don't actually do this, but your attitude is all I barely have time for. I'm so focused, it's just clothes washing time. Yeah. Now you can do more than that. You know what I'm saying? You can polish your shoes. You can put your makeup on, ladies. Please, don't just wash your clothes. Put your makeup on too. Gentlemen, put deodorant on. Don't just wash your clothes. Yes, you can have some 
extracurricular you can do but i'm just saying there's a there's not legalism this is not a burden this is just god taking focus a little bit and saying they were so focused they only washed their clothes everything was the work everything was what god's assigned for that season in their lives they threw everything in it because the people had a mind to work praise god stay focused with me stay focused with me and it will surely come to pass hallelujah my god thank you jesus first corinthians and i'm not going to go on with my notes because this flow is not there for it so i'm i can recognize when it's time to stop but let me just read you this verse which you already know but just read it with me first corinthians chapter 16 and verse 9 for a great door and effectual is opened unto me and there are many adversaries hallelujah have a look there in the book of psalms i know some of you haven't even got to first corinthians yet but that's okay we'll be patient look at psalm chapter 23 look at psalm 23 thou preparest a table before me what do you think that means it's a table of eating right in other words there's something more than you had before right you've been eating your jerky on the job but I have now a full meal prepared for you there's something more what is 2020 all about what is going through an effectual door all about there's another room there's another phase there's something more so when God offered them something more which is what he's doing with us Taylor what what happened they were enemies he's basically saying I offer you more but the enemies are going to watch you while you eat. Yeah. Yeah. Do you see that? Yes. Thou preparest a table before me. That represents more. In the presence of my enemies. In other words, there's more for you. Amen. But it's not going to just always come that easy. There's going to be attacks. The devil's not stupid. He's not going to let you roll on by into victory. He'll try to stop you, but he can't. You put your foot in his neck and smash it. Amen. Enjoy listening to his vertebrae crush beneath your heel. Enjoy that sound of his windpipe crushing beneath your toes. I'm being very direct and vocal with you because I'm trying to say, get used to where the devil should be, not where you put him all the time. That's his place. That's where his windpipe is underneath my heel. Get used to that feel of that windpipe there and then just apply a little pressure and listen to it crack. <laughs> That's our attitude. I'm not afraid of you and you can't stop me. Send Balan to buy, you can't stop me. And you won't stop me. I take courage and I imprint the word on my mind. I stay close to my leader. I stay focused and I listen and I'm aware of spiritual things. Hallelujah. There's enemies there, but we're going we're gonna to be okay. We're going to make it. Amen. Praise the Lord. I'll end it with that because I don't feel to, to start something. The whole next thing, will, will, that's just, there's anointing is not there for that. But let me say this. I wasn't going to say this, and I'm not really going to repeat it again until December 30, 29th. Let's say December 29th, because that's the last Sunday of the year. But the Lord said to me at the beginning of this year, do you remember one of the things? He says a lot of things, but do you remember one of the things he said? He said, son, I want you to believe me. Yeah. But he said it strong to me. Amen. Not like, well, please believe me. It wasn't like that. I expect you to believe me. That's how he phrased it. I expect you to believe me for 318 plus your wife and you. That's 320. By the end of the year, I expect you to believe me. He didn't just say believe me. He said he expected me to believe me. That's a different. That's saying you better not play games with this boy. You need the core because of what you're coming into. You may not have everything you want, but you at least need the core. So I have I've purposely not been looking at the numbers because I don't want them to sway me. And I don't want to get nervous. But the weeks are ticking by. And the months are ticking by. And so Taylor came to me on Sunday and he said, Pastor, I want you to know I have some good news. Rarely does Taylor say that. <laughs> so, 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 so when Taylor says good news, I just start rejoicing. I don't even know what the good news is. I'm just kidding, brother. You always bring me good news. But you know, in ministry, there's usually stuff that's going on all the time. He said, I, brought, I have good news, Pastor. He said, with you and your wife and everybody 18 years and older in our congregation as of today, we have 322 people in membership on the books. 
322 that have gone through the membership class, that have stayed faithful. <laughs> That's two more than God told me to believe for. So now there's one thought that come to me. Well, the two more can get offended and leave and you'll still be okay. But any more than that, no, you're not going to be okay. But there's another thought that comes to me. That's not God. Then there's another thought that comes to me and say, does not, the Lord said this to me when I was driving home. I said, Lord, thank God, but we're so close, man. Jesus, we just, I, we're right on the edge, Jesus. Help me, Jesus. And I heard him say, does not my word say, I'll do exceeding abundantly above all you ask or think. He said, so stop just looking at the, at the down to the wire number. You still got seven weeks. Believe me, son, believe me. Believe me for more than that. But it blessed me because he said, I expect you to believe me. Amen. And I have. I put my faith. The staff have put their faith. Yes, You've put their, your faith. We haven't done anything different on the advertising. But we haven't done anything different on anything. I haven't changed the preaching. haven't changed the message. haven't changed the, nothing. We haven't added anything. We've just done exactly what we've always done because the Lord didn't tell us to add anything. And he's growing it. And we've still got seven weeks to go. Praise God. Praise God. I say that just to let you know God, God is helping us. Yes. He is answering our prayers. He is moving on the hearts of men and women. He is joining them to us. Yes. This is coming to pass right before our eyes, Jenny. You say, why 318? Because I don't always explain it. I probably should. Because when we first started the church in the cave of Bedullam, does everybody know where the cave of Bedullam was? <laughs> the Morrises don't like to be referring to the cave of Bedullam. That Mr. Rain, it was kind of like a cave. And we called it a dullum. But it was a beautiful cave. Amen. I remember when we first walked in your house and you said we could come and use your home. And I walked in. The house is a beautiful house and it was a new build, right? It was a new house. And I walked in and I walked and I, you know, remember how, I remember how it was laid out. Other people wouldn't necessarily remember. But I walked in and I thought, how on earth are we going to fit? We had 80 people at that point, right, Jenny? 80? No, no, at the end, when we moved into our house, 88. I thought, how on earth are we going to fit 88 people in this beautiful living room? I mean, you had a nice living room, but don't, no one see no 88 people. And then and I was thinking to myself, oh, God, she, she, she miscounted. She forgot how many people we have. No, no, Jenny, at the beginning, after three months, we didn't have 88. How many people did we have? 34. But still, I thought, how are we going to fit 34 people into this living room? She, Mr. Rain miscounted. She doesn't qualify. The room's not big enough. And I'm thinking this as I'm standing there. I've never told you this. And then Mr. Rain says, okay, pastor, would you like to see where the meetings will be held? And I'm like, well, they're going to be held here. She goes, no, we're going to the basement. And I thought, the basement? Well, it will be a finished basement, so we'll be okay. And we went down and it wasn't a finished basement. But we could fit 900 people in there. We couldn't fit it upstairs, but we could fit it in the basement. And I remember saying, Lord... It's funny when, you're, when there's a grace for you for something, you don't even notice the negatives. I, 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 the stuffing looked beautiful to me. The stuffing, you know, the, the insulation. I'm, I'm not joking. No, I'm not joking. It looked beautiful to me. Everything about that basement was beautiful to me. I loved that basement. That was my home. Why? Because God assigned it. That's your place, boy. This is, this is where you start. Now you be faithful and I'll grow you. Remember Lorraine, we had to be faithful. We had to pray and God did. And then we couldn't find the building. And I'm looking and looking and looking. I mean the whole year of 2008, I can't tell you how many buildings we looked at, Jenny. In Oakville, we looked, looked, looked because we were doing it in Oakville because God told us Mississauga, but we told him Oakville. <laughs> because we were afraid of certain pastors here. And so we did it. And we looked at every rotten building Every building in between and every nice building, everything, not nothing worked. We found one nasty building. But I said, it's the only one. We'll take it. <laughs> you remember Lorraine? And we were, had the sound guy come and check out the city. We were going to, so, and he goes, I don't know about this building. This looks too small for me. I said, just shut up and tell me, can you do this or not? And we had the lease signed and we had the deposit to give in and we had everything done. And we were closing that night and they were having a board meeting to sign the final papers, the one that owned the property and the word of the Lord come. See, God will help you even if you're an idiot. Yes. <laughs> I was totally out of his will. I was completely in error and he still saved me. If that doesn't preach, just take that if you don't take anything else. 
Even if you're an idiot, he'll help you. And the word of the Lord came to my wife because I can't hear nothing because I'm so stressed. I mean, I got stress coming out of my pores. You can't hear God when you're stressed. But Jenny just don't care about nothing half the time. She just relaxed. Thank you, Jesus. Um, ah, how are we going to do this? Ah. And she's like, thank you, Jesus. I love you, Lord. And God spoke to her in her peace because that's how God speaks to you. And he says, when it falls through tonight, don't cry. She tells me, thus saith the Lord. <laughs> what? I'm stressed. Don't talk to me right now. We're signing the deal. When it falls through tonight, don't cry. What are you talking about, woman? And sure enough, one board member uh, would not sign. They had to have a majority vote. One guy would not. They couldn't get the majority vote. And they canceled it that night. And they called me the next morning, Reverend Field, I'm so sorry the deal has fell through. And I wanted to cry so bad. But the word of the Lord came through the prophetess saying, don't cry. So I didn't cry. And I thought, my Lorraine's going to kill me. No, she's seriously going to kill me. Lorraine's standing there and me on the floor, dead. She's going to kill me. She's going to go to prison. Taylor's going to grow up without a mother. I can't go back to her and tell her that we're gonna, we didn't get the building. She wants us out of there. 70 people by that point are washing in the same bathroom. Her plumbing is taking a hit. Everything is taking a hit. Everything is taking a hit. The neighbors are angry. Do you remember? The neighbors are calling the cops on us. You're having a church in there. Oh, no, we're not. Oh, no, we're not. Ah! Everything's going wrong, brother. I'm so stressed. My hair sticks up and so stressed. And here she is. Oh, I don't cry when it falls through. Don't tell Lorraine it fell through. Don't tell Wayne. And we didn't get it. We didn't get it. We can't find nothing. We can't find nothing. Remember, we moved in in March. Now we're October the 6th. It's my birthday. <laughs> I'm crying. I'm on Derry Road just, just before McLaughlin. There's a building. I pull over. It's graining. The angels were crying with me. Everybody was crying. And I'm, I'm in that van. I was in my car. And I heard the Holy Spirit say, look up. I looked up. And there was a, two little birds. Little nasty sparrows. They don't even have pretty colors on them. They're just the brown, ugly ones. The, the dime a dozen ones. And they're just in a little puddle that had been formed by the rain. And they're, you know how they do their little dance. And their wings are going. And they're doing that with their beaks. And they're having a blast. And I, the word of the Lord came to me, I swear to God. I'm not exaggerating. He said this morning. No, he said last night because it was in the morning that it was raining. He said last night they never had a bath. But in the morning I prepared for them a bath. If I would do it for them, how much more will I give you your building? He said the night has passed and you never had it, but the day has dawned and you are about to see it. I didn't think that he told him that he was referring to the physical next day. So I perked up, had a good birthday, October the 7th, we walked through this building. Interesting that it was on the exact anniversary date of starting the church. Interesting. Exactly a year to the day since we started the church with four people. We walked through this building and I was opposed to it because we had, I didn't want to share. And Lorraine said, pastor, just open up your heart. Don't worry about the lady. She don't got no faith. She's going to be gone. Let's see what we can do with this. And there's snakes and there's animals and there's weird smells. But I looked at this building and the Holy Ghost bore witness by the inner witness. He said, this is it. And everything that we started with Lorraine believing for $1,000 a week took every bit of faith I had for $1,000 a week. And, and, and then $2,000 and then $4,000 and then $7,000 and then $10,000 and then $18,000 and then $25,000 and now $30,000. See, God has been faithful to us because we've been faithful to his word. It's not because we're special. He's taken us from the beautiful cave. He's taken us to the place we didn't own and didn't pay for. Just like David, he took us to the Ziglag where we rented from Akish the Philistine. And we still are. 
And now he says, Hebron's coming, boy. The time of rentals are over. The time of owning is upon you. Blaze the trail in your own personal life with your home. Believe me for your Hebron house and you're going to get a Hebron building. And I want you to believe me for 318 before you move in. And that's come to pass. He said, I want you to believe me for 30,000. And that's almost come to pass. Not quite, but we're, by the time December 31st comes, we'll have it. Because God is faithful if you'll just stay put. Listen, guys, we're building a great work. No, you don't look to your eyes like it, but you weren't there in my house. You weren't there the first day. I was there. Didn't look like anything. And look, when I look back at what God has done, how he's promoted, how he's honored, how he's blessed, how many miracles, how many healings, how many salvations. Yes, but there's been attacks. That's okay. But, but we got a good core that love Jesus and are faithful. But I need that core to pay attention. I need that core. I'll say it one more time and we close. I need the core to pay attention. I need the core to guard your mind. Imprinted upon your mind because the devil's going to try to attack you. I need the core to not just look at the natural, but look at the things of the spirit because we need you to stand the watch with me. Your words and your prayers. Stay close. Pay attention and listen and stay focused. Hallelujah. You've just experienced a sermon being preached by the gift of prophecy, by spontaneous utterance of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Praise God. Not everyone's like that, but when the Lord says do it, my job is to do it. It's coming to pass, guys. It's coming to pass. Hallelujah. Randy Greer, in the spirit, he's there. He said, Greg, I saw your building. I stood in it. I said, you did? He said, I did. I said, how big was it? He said, it seemed about 100,000, 80,000, 100,000 square feet. He said, it seemed it could easily seat 3,000. He said, I think there was about 2,500 chairs. But he said, you could put 5,000 in there easily. And he said, then the scene flashed like this. I'm still standing. It was an out-of-body experience. He physically stood in the building, in the spirit realm. And it flashed, and he said it was full, jammed with people from sea to what? And he said, I turned, and you were preaching. And he said, the roar of the people as they shouted. He said, I saw it. He said, it's done, son. It's done. In the spirit, it's done. Just be faithful with your Hebron. Praise God. So what are you going to do on the 24th? You're going to bring a sacrificial seed so we can get this in our name. In Jesus' name. What are you going to do from tonight forward? You're going to take up your sword, not just your trowel. You're going to be more cognizant of the call to prayer. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for tonight. Totally unexpected, totally different than what I planned. But I believe that those that took the time out of their busy schedules to come, I believe that they heard some answers for their life and they heard some help. Some of them even some rescue. Some of them strength and encouragement. But whatever it is that they got, I thank you that they apply it to their lives. Father, we're in a very, the work is great. You're pleased with us. There's always going to be sand ballots and Tobiah, but we are not afraid. We will finish the work. We will do our, run our race. We will finish our call. We will wait until Jesus trumpets from that cloud. We're not going to quit. We're not going to quit, Father. We don't have that many years left. However many years we have, we're going to give it our all. Yes. We're going to get more focused during this new season. We're going to stay close and we're going to pay attention. We're going to guard our minds and we're going to watch. We're going to take up our sword and stand on guard. I bless them and I thank you for them. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Hallelujah.